You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Got a plenty to get plenty to get to from week 17. Plenty of playoff scenarios across the league. Uh, the Steelers still have a chance to get in if the Colts somehow get upset by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers and Raiders have one game to decide who claims the final playoff spot in the AFC. If the Niners lose to the Rams and the Saints beat the Falcons, New Orleans will claim that final spot in the NFC. So it's week 18 in the NFL. I need to welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. And Justice Mosqueda is actually out today, so we're happy to be joined by Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue. And guys, where I want to start the news today, Derrick Henry has been cleared to return to practice for the Tennessee Titans. As it sits right now with the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the Cincinnati Bengals, the Tennessee Titans are the number one overall seed in the AFC at the moment. As long as they beat the Houston Texans on Sunday, the Titans are going to get a first round bye, which gives them an extra week to make sure Derrick Henry is healthy and locked and loaded for the playoffs. We've talked about the Titans on this podcast a lot. I don't have a ton of faith in them offensively, but things change a little bit if Derrick Henry returns and looks like the old King Henry. So I, I am curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. Like, does this make Tennessee like drastically different like does this change your opinion of them heading into the postseason getting a healthy derrick henry back this late in the year i feel like we've, we've talked about this and they so he hasn't played since halloween it's been a long time so he's going to be very fresh when he does come back and we know when he was playing like he was getting 28 30 it seemed like he was getting the ball every freaking time and they revolve their offense around him so they get to get back to what they do. And obviously, you know, A.J. Brown will become even more of a threat with the run threat of Derrick Henry. But at the same time, like we, we felt like they've overachieved all season. You, you mentioned before we hopped on here, like fraudulent one seed that's been going around. So I still think, you know, they're going to be a team that you don't you do want to play, I guess, if you're one of the Chiefs or one of the Patriots, a team like that, as opposed to, you know, high flying offense like the Chargers. So um, I don't, I don't really think it changes much, but it's still Derek freaking Henry. And, you know, if there is one person, like one player in the AFC, that is a guy who um, you don't want to run into. That's not a quarterback. Yeah. You know, this, this Titans team was really confusing for me, honestly, if you were just like a casual uh, watcher of the NFL and you saw kind of down the final stretch of the season, the Titans lost three of their three or four in a stretch where the only win was against the Jaguars. And so I think that's kind of where this fraudulent one seed talk started. And all of a sudden, you know, they have done to Foreman to replace Derrick Henry. And then they just kind of keep winning and are all of a sudden the one seed. And the whole thing, I, I can't help but question. Right. And then you, but you get Derrick Henry back and all of a sudden, like, a lot of those questions kind of, you know, evaporate. And, and this is a real team. This is a real team who, who is essentially getting their identity back with Derek Henry, kind of like you talked about Kyle. I mean, a guy who seems to get the ball every other play, 30 carries a game is like a realistic thing uh, for this team in the modern NFL. So I think this was the team If without Derek Henry. You know, I think the Chargers would have wanted to face if they get in as a seven seed and hopefully they'd face the Titans as a two seed. It looks like it's the Chiefs at this point. But, I mean, it seemed like the, the, the nice uh, – Let's, put, let's say a matchup that a lot of teams wanted, but with Derrick Henry, I don't think anyone really wants to face them all that much. Yeah. I mean, 
they haven't really changed much since losing Derrick Henry. Like you mentioned Deontay Foreman who stepped in and has been productive, like more productive than I thought he was going to be. But I just look at the Titans and I'm like, what do they do well? Like, what are they really good at that makes them the number one overall seed in the AFC? But like it, it kind of capitalizes on what a weird NFL season it's going to be that. Like the worst DVO t- DVOA number one overall seed ever in the Tennessee Titans. Like the way this season's played out, it's just like the Titans are going to wind up in the Super Bowl or something, and I'm still going to be sitting there like, "How the hell did this happen? <laughs> like what what is going on here? This doesn't make any sense." But Derrick Henry can't hurt. Like Derrick Henry certainly can't hurt your playoff chances, and he's only going to make them better and allow them to do what they want to do more often, which is just pound the football because Ryan Tannehill hasn't really been that good this year, but AJ Brown's been banged up. Julio Jones has been hurt all season long. And so if they get all those guys back and healthy for the playoffs, like all of a sudden you have to adjust how you look at the Tennessee Titans a little bit, I think. And I want to talk about Antonio Brown for a second where, you know, Obviously, everybody saw the walk-off, take his pads off, helmet off, jersey off, walk-off, and then all the comments from Bruce Arians afterwards saying, like, he is not a part of the team anymore. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not officially released Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown's out here doing all these, like, weird cameos. I I don't really know what's going on with him personally, but... I'm just curious to get your guys' thoughts on the Antonio Brown situation and and really where Tampa Bay goes from here because, KP, like on this podcast a few weeks ago, we were talking about like everything's aligning for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go on another Super Bowl run with Tom Brady. And now all of a sudden they lose Chris Godwin. Antonio Brown is not a part of the team we would expect here in the near future. And they've got a ton of other injuries. Like I'm starting to really question how I feel about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I don't see how they can make it to a Super Bowl again at this point with how banged up they are and how thin their wide receivers are all of a sudden. Yeah. Think about how much has changed, man. Since we talked about that team, they were going to get a B back. It was going to be him, Godwins, Evans. And now it's just Evans. And as great as a player that he is, it's a lot it's a lot easier to guard one guy as opposed to three guys with Gronk. So um, that's a big deal. And it doesn't like are, is their secondary any healthier than it's been? It doesn't seem like they're getting healthier on that side of the ball. So who knows, man? And this is what ha- I guess this is kind of the 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 game you play when you have so many players that are veterans. And I don't want to call them injury prone, but at this stage in their career, you know, there's a chance that they're not going to be fully healthy or not going to be able to recover as fast as they previously were able or previously were able to geez, but they still have Tom Brady and they will be able to play a home playoff game. And even if Tom Brady is going on the road, it'll still be tough to bet against him. But when they're not at full strength, because, you know, when you're talking about the offensive weapons, they were like humming, humming. So they they won't they might not be that level, but I still think they will be pretty dangerous. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, kind of like you notice it. This is just it's a Tom Brady led team, right? It's also January and he's about to be in the playoffs. Like you said, they're about to play a home playoff game. Um, he spent, you know, there were several years in New England where he was thrown to a bunch of guys that I think, again, casual fans would probably ask like who when you you know name them right like he's played with players that weren't bona fide stars that weren't guys with a bunch of name power brand power um i I think bruce arians is a good enough head coach i think that offense is is tailored enough to to what brady wants to do that you could probably throw some lesser named guys in there um to 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 keep it moving along and i I think brady's especially knowing him knowing that he's not going to have Godwin, he's not going to have AB or a lot of guys that um, he's relied on for most of the season. He's going to put in the extra work and he's going to make sure that a lot of these guys are prepared uh, for this playoff push, because it, we all know as how competitive Tom Brady is. And I don't think he's going to go out uh, in the first round again. So where does Antonio Brown go from here? Right? Because he can't be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. They haven't officially released him yet, but I think that that has more to do with contracts and them trying to figure out like how they can get out of some of the money that he's probably owed, but I don't see how he could play for another NFL team. But like when you look at what he was doing when he was on the field this season, like he's still a really, really good 
NFL football player and you tend to think like, well, it's football and that guy is productive and there's some team that's going to convince themselves, well, if we get him in here and, you know, get him to tap into our culture, then he can still be a a member of this organization and help us win football games. But I just don't see how you could logically like give him another opportunity in the NFL after the last couple of years of his career. His timeline is a mess over the last couple of years. Like it looks bad when you just go down the list of incidents and run-ins that he's had, but he still keeps getting chances because of what you said. He's a good football player. Remember what the Cardinals GM Steve Kime said about Hannibal Lecter. Like they will find ways to make sure they get good football players in there. And Antonio Brown, as he's shown this past year, like he still has it. If only there was a team in the AFC who needed a wide receiver that was going to go on a strong playoff run. You can't tell me that Andy Reid isn't interested in signing Antonio Brown. Um, they've, they've taken chance on plenty of players. They just tried it with Josh Gordon. So why wouldn't they do it with Antonio Brown? Um, I, I know the, I know that we just talked about like all the different things that that's happened with him, but I just can't see an NFL team passing up the chance to add an Antonio Brown to their playoff roster. Like it's going to happen as annoying as it is because superstar level players get more chances than normal players. And that's just how this league works, man. Always has been, always will be double standards for everybody, baby. Welcome to the NFL. I can see the Rams picking them up. Just why not? Just because, I mean, like like the Chiefs, like you just said, how they tried with Josh Gordon, like the Rams. I mean, that's kind of a joke, but like at the same time, the Rams just haven't cared about numbers, money, or, or anything. It's just like, oh, you could help us in this ever-closing Super Bowl window? Like, yeah, we'll pick you up. And I mean, I think it, it sounds ridiculous, right? I think 90% of people would tell you that his career's over, that this was the last straw, that doing something you know, that much of a sideshow right in front of an NFL stadium, walking off in front of all your teammates and just putting on that type of display would be the final nail in the coffin for anybody else's career, you know? But like, we've seen people do, I think, even worse things at times and still have gotten second chances after some time's gone by. But AB is the type of player that he is. And there's a lot of teams that are hungry for a Super Bowl. And and if they can make it work and justify it in any way, shape or form, more than likely he's going to end up on a team in the playoffs. I mean, Antonio Brown on this Kansas City Chiefs team would be kind of fun. Uh, just just from a football perspective, you know, the Chiefs have been trying to establish that other wide receiver all season long. And you mentioned Josh Gordon. He has not been effective at all. Uh, right now, their third best pass catcher outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey is Byron Pringle. So Antonio Brown would definitely be an upgrade there, but I, I just don't see it, at least not this season. Maybe next year, head in the offseason, uh, some team can convince themselves. I just would be truly shocked if he got a chance on, on a playoff-bound team this late into the year. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, as I already mentioned, did lose the one seed for the time being to the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. Uh this game was the game of the week, in my opinion. It was a fantastic football game. I feel like it was what we wanted the Chiefs and Cowboys to be a, a few weeks ago, and it just didn't really wind up manifesting that way. And this game was that. We've talked about the Bengals a ton. I think they're one of the youngest, most exciting teams in the NFL. I still have my questions about Zach Taylor, but like this offense, especially if they go in the offseason this year and, and invest in their offensive line and try to protect, protect Joe Burrow a little, a little bit better, the offensive weapons are there for them to be really, really good. And Jamar Chase is just a superstar, just a flat-out superstar player. He set the single-season rookie receiving record in this game. He had 266 receiving yards and three touchdowns. And just absolutely single-handedly dismantled the Chiefs. Like Spags spoke with the media and was asked about that third and twenty-seven play, and he was just like, "Yeah, I mean, we we treated it like it was a third and six. We were just trying to get an incompletion, but okay, we're gonna blitz instead and <laughs> one-on-one with Jamar Chase when he's been roasting you all game." Uh, I don't know how you guys felt about this game. I don't think I learned that much about the Kansas City Chiefs. It didn't really change my thoughts on them overall and headed into the playoffs. I think this was just a coming out party really for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase saying like, we're, we're coming, like we're, we're here and we're going to be a problem in the AFC for you guys. Yeah, so we learned that Ward can't guard Jamar Chase. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one-on-one, that's not going to happen. 
Um, the Bengals, and I tweeted this during the game. First of all, I lost money on the Chiefs because I thought they would be able to score a bunch, and they did that. I did not think they would guard Jamar Chase one-on-one after he had 500 yards on them. I thought eventually they would try to take him away. That did not happen, and here we are. But, yeah, I think the real takeaway here is the Chiefs' offenses continue to hum. Like, they're they're starting to hit their stride. They're starting to score points. That's a bigger takeaway because, what I mean, think about how the Bengals were scoring. It was like, 73 yards, 50 yards. They were just going big play after big play. They were scoring like four or five plays a drive, man. That's not sustainable. Um, they, they are really fun offense to watch. They were just throwing the ball deep and Chase was making plays. Uh, Burrow is a good quarterback, man. And I actually like that he's cocky afterwards. I, I, would, I wish that more quarterbacks were like that. Like it makes the game fun to watch. But I think just to your original point, the Bengals are good and the Chiefs are good and we can leave it at that. We don't have to have any you know, over-the-top reactions like, oh, now the Chiefs are overrated because they can't guard Jamar Chase. Well, nobody's been able to do that. So um, not, not really going to change my opinion on them. Yeah, I think we learned that the AFC has some really good offenses, some high-flying offenses uh, that can score a lot of points, and, and the only thing holding them back are, are the defenses. You look at the, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Chargers have been kind of similar uh, this year as well. I think they're the fourth uh, offense in total yards. I think they're one of the top passing offenses, just like, again, Chiefs and Bengals, but the defense is, is really stopping these teams from being some of the scariest teams in all of the NFL, not just the uh, the AFC. And I, I think it's, it's kind of crazy to look at the dichotomy of the AFC right now being split between, again, Chiefs, Chargers, Bengals, who have their kind of offensive identity, and then teams like the Titans, the Patriots, uh, the Bills, who seem to be, I guess, more physical than finesse teams, and especially the Titans and, and Patriots being uh, very good defensive teams that also want to like run the ball a lot more than it is passing. It, it seems to be really split down the middle in terms of, of these teams that are in the playoffs. So overall, I think the, the future is super bright. Joe Burrow, like you said, Kyle, is, is a good quarterback. Um, I think him and, him and Justin Herbert are going to be tied at the hip for quite some time and uh it'll be interesting just to see how those careers kind of take off from here it just wasn't fair the situation that they put charvarius ward in like (laughs) charvarius ward is an undrafted player that the chiefs traded a sixth round pick for a few years ago with it from the dallas cowboys and ward has been a starter basically since they traded for him and they've gotten more than you ever could have hoped out of a player like that but Putting him one-on-one all day uh, against Jamar Chase just is not fair. And then, you know, he had that touchdown to open the second half. And that was another, like, play where, for whatever reason, Daniel Sorensen was supposed to be in help. uh, And he just got absolutely roasted. Like, the Chiefs just had a bad game plan where they, they came into this thing saying, this is what we do. We know we can put pressure on Burrow and we like to play man-to-man coverage and they just made him pay for it the entire game. But, you know, as you guys mentioned, like you're not going to see those types of players all the time. Like the chiefs defensive system has really, really worked over the last two months of the season. It just finally caught up to them and they got burned. And I've talked a lot about how I, I thought they were playing a little bit above their head, but they were still better than where they started at the beginning of the year. And so inevitably, I feel like they were going to have a game like this. It it just happened to be against an ascending superstar wide receiver. And he just went absolutely nuts. And he is really, really fun to watch. I do want to transition to a game we don't really have to spend a lot of time on. But we have talked about the Dolphins a lot over the last couple of weeks because they're on the seven game win streak, playing themselves into the postseason finally. And On this podcast, we have kind of been campaigning for the Dolphins not to make the playoffs because they're just not a fun football team to watch. And we're not huge Miami Dolphins fans. So that ended this week. They were officially eliminated. The win streak was over. And I feel like they just looked exactly like who we thought they were. Like they just can't throw the football downfield. And, you know, Tua's got limitations as a quarterback. And if Jalen Waddle isn't just catching like 12 to 15 catches a game, like offensively, they just can't offer you that much. Yeah. I mean, Tua can't throw the ball (laughs) and the defenses know that everything that they do is based on like deception essentially. And when he has to throw the ball in actual drop back situations, it doesn't go well. We talked about the teams that they were beating. Those are not real teams. (laughs) That doesn't count. You don't get credit for that. And they struggled mightily big time on Sunday. So it really wasn't a surprise. 
Um, when, whenever Brian Flores talks about him like publicly, it doesn't sound like he really has his back, man. Um, I think they have to be like he has to be out of there after this. They just they really can't go another year playing offense like this. And I, I'm not saying that their offensive line, you know, doesn't have issues. I'm not saying that they don't have a running game. All of those will make him a better player. But if we have to dress the offense up around the quarterback just to make it functional, it's probably not a good thing for the quarterback. So, yeah, not not really a surprise. And it sucks because I think their defense is good. I think they have, like, promising pieces on that team, and there is talent. But at the end of the day, man, you uh, you have to be able to do something at quarterback, and they just they can't. Yeah, shout out the Dolphins for uh, for taking two in the first place, obviously, and for Justin <laughs> Herbert. Um, big fan of that move, obviously. Uh, the Dolphins have been weird, man, because there was that uh, that theme building up that, like, oh, what if uh, what if Tua makes the playoffs and like Justin Herbert and the Chargers don't, right? Like that's kind of where things were heading when they were on that that, that the win streak, and and even during this win streak, I think if you watched some of those games, it just didn't make sense why they kept winning, right? Like how does this offense just kind of keep doing what they're doing um, enough to to win? But like like you said, the defense is, is phenomenal. I think Flores has done a great job um, on that side of the ball. But and coming out as a prospect, I like Tua more than Herbert. I like Tua a whole lot. Um, he just seemed like a guy that could fit any system. He just seemed like as a quarterback, it was just so natural. It was just like, tell him to do anything. He's going to go do it. So for to see him struggle this much in Miami's offense, again, as you said, just how much they dress it up, the deception, it's just like they can't line up, play football and, and be the better team in this way or that way. Right. It's just very, very odd, but uh, you know, hope for the best for Tua, but yeah, I don't see how Flores can watch his window as a head coach slowly shrink as he keeps kind of saying, yeah, two our guy, but keeping, you know, his fingers crossed behind his back at the same time. And Tua was asked about potential off-season rumors or whatever that he might get traded in. And he was just like, if it comes, it comes. If it happens, it happens. And I mean, it sucks that you have to field questions like that if you're Tua, but that's the way that it is. And the Dolphins have already made it clear that they were all in on acquiring Deshaun Watson, not even knowing if Deshaun Watson was going to be allowed to play anywhere in the near future. So I think that says a lot about how they feel uh, about Tua moving forward. The Cleveland Browns lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday night football. The Steelers playoff hopes are still alive. They need some help. They need the Colts to lose this week and they need to win and they'll still have an opportunity to possibly get in but you know the story headed into this one was baker mayfield ben roethlisberger possibly final game at heinz field and this was just one of the worst offensive football games i think i've ever watched like i I watched it from start (laughs) to finish and hey i i think it was like kind of like a we got to give ben his chance here because it's his final game so they were just like we're gonna we're going to let him just uncork this thing and pass 46 times. Unfortunately, Ben Roethlisberger uncorking it now is three yard passes just over and over and over again with no chance to get first downs. And Baker Mayfield was also just awful. And the Browns have already announced that he is not going to play in week 18. He's going to get shoulder surgery and his season is over, but I don't really want the Steelers in the playoffs. Like, they're not a fun offense. I don't want anything to do with it. And they've got to really, really spend some time figuring out what the hell they're going to do this offseason after Ben Roethlisberger because they've got pieces in place. But this team is just awful to watch. I mean, the quarterback play in that game was it set the sport back. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Did you guys see um, Big Ben's passing chart? So he threw the ball like 40 some times, and I think like 80% of them went within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. He's, he's just moving in slow motion. I'm fascinated to see. Go ahead. 46 times for 123 passing yards. <laughs> that is really hard to do, man. I don't think people understand how, how difficult that is to do. Um, but I am fascinated to see where they go from here because they have weapons. Like they have really good players on that offense. We don't even talk about the tight end. He makes plays. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris deserves so much better, man. But they they will have options, and I I am fascinated to see how much they put into the quarterback this offseason. Like how heavily they invest. But I mean, just going with the Browns too. Uh, what what do you do with Baker? How do you watch Baker this season and think you know what? We're going to roll with him again. We want to do that again next year. 
Um, just like we talked about with Tua. If you have to dress the offense up, which the Browns did the last couple of years, and that's why they were good, let's be honest, what we're seeing from Baker isn't anything new either. And I know that he's been hurt. I know he has a shoulder thing going on, but that's been the case every time he's been playing. He always makes a lot of boneheaded plays. He's always late to throw the football, and it seems like he's been holding them back. And now that he doesn't have like the pieces around him to elevate uh, his poor player, to, I guess to hide some of the mistakes that he's made, um, his you know his warts are kind of showing more. So I'd get rid of them both. Obviously, Big Ben is going to probably retire and force the Steelers' hand. But I mean, both quarterbacks, it's it's time, and there's no doubt about it. So could you imagine seeing a Steelers playoff game? I, what have we done to deserve that, man? Man, I don't know. I definitely don't want to see it either. Uh, but I'll tell you what about this: the Steelers team. I think the Steelers next year could look similar to the Patriots this year. Kind of having that down year like last year, you know, it was it was an unusual Patriot season. Cam Newton was the quarterback, right? I think they had like a 500 record or something like that. But like you said, talking about investing in this quarterback position and getting the right guy, investing the right stuff to pair with who they have on offense, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Najee, um, and a defense that it's playing really good. Pat Fryermuth, again, the tight end, the rookie tight end from Penn State on offense as well. I can see that being a real quick turnaround. I mean, Mike Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons. I don't think he's going to have a losing season next season. I think he's actually going to kill it and probably make the playoffs as well because it just seems to be that type of head coach. And then, like you said about the Browns, Baker Mayfield is just doesn't seem to be the guy anymore. I know they kind of stuck with him uh, as the franchise as a whole kind of elevated themselves into, you know, not the basement of, of, of the league anymore. Um, but at this point, they've built – around the quarterback enough defensively and offensively that they could probably part with Baker and bring in risk, bringing another quarterback and, and still trying to find some semblance of success. They had to stick with Baker because he showed some spark. He, he did help them, you know, cut that long losing streak. Um, he helped them kind of turn this thing around, but obviously he does not seem to be the guy that can take them to the next level. Now that they are kind of a contender um, fighting for that, you know, each season now, I just don't think he's the guy to really take them to that next step. Yeah, both these teams are going to have really interesting off-seasons because you know, we assume that Ben Roethlisberger is for sure retiring, and this is his final year in the NFL. And the Steelers roster is pretty good overall. Like They've got some playmakers. TJ Watt's got 21 and a half sacks, a, a chance to set the single-season record in Week 18, and he went nuts. I think the Steelers sacked Baker Mayfield like nine times in that football game. And – they've got an opportunity there to, to build on that roster. If they can just figure it out, like what you can't do is go into next season with Mason Rudolph is, is your starting quarterback. Cause it's going to look a lot like it did this season, but then the Browns kind of seemed like they were kind of all in this year and they've got a really, really talented roster with a lot of young talent too. Like they've drafted well, but it all just kind of unraveled this season. Like, you know, Nick Chubb has missed, significant amounts of time kareem hunt's missed significant amounts of time their offensive line kind of fell apart halfway through the season due to injury and then baker's been really banged up but you know him playing through all of that this season didn't make me like i i feel like there was this kind of narrative where it was like oh he's fighting through it because he's he's a team guy and that's and that's what you want from your leader and it's like yeah but like this isn't making me doubt that he's not a good quarterback. I'm just like, yeah, he's worse than he normally is. And, and he's normally not that great. So like, it, it feels like the Browns are, are almost at a point where like, if you could get a quarterback, I think they could be a contending team, but if they just kind of try to keep this thing going, like you, you're just spinning your tires and you're not moving anywhere because they were a team that was supposed to be a playoff team this year and they're not. So I'm curious to see how all that stuff unfolds. Uh, I, I think the Browns, in my opinion, are, are probably the biggest disappointment in the NFL this season. But we'll see how it goes. Before we get out or before we take a quick time out, I, I want to talk about Joe Judge real quick and <laughs> his comments. It, so, you know, there was a report a couple of weeks ago that, that the Giants are expected to retain Joe Judge after this season. I, I don't know why. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, he has done nothing but be a loser since he has taken over as your head coach. And it just does not appear that he is a competent NFL head coach. The Giants 
went all in this season kind of to see what they had in Daniel Jones. Like the giants aren't one of these teams like, you know, Jacksonville who just said, okay, we're, we're just going to invest in the draft and we've got a lot of cap space. So like once we feel like we've got something in place, we can, we, we can kind of go spend money in free agency and stuff like that. The giants don't have any cap space. Like they've spent a bunch of money over the last couple of years and they have not improved at all. And then Joe judge is out here. Like, it's almost like Joe judge is like, like wants to get fired now. Like the, the way he is acting towards the media and, and, you know, calling out like, oh, there's former giant players that call me up and want to be on the team now. Like, I'm sure a good guy. Yeah. Like, (laughs) it's just, it all screams a guy who just has no business being an NFL head coach, uh, let alone a a franchise like the New York Giants that is like won Super Bowls in in the near past. So they have to blow this thing up in in New York. Like, and all you have to do is watch his press conference from earlier in the week and say like, okay, this this isn't it. We we, we got to move on from this because it's just never going to work. So it's like fear. He's a high school coach. Everything is revolved around fear. If you don't do this, this is going to happen. That's all he talks about. He's bringing no substance. You talk about them not getting better. Like, what is his plan? What are they doing? Nothing is making sense that they're doing. Um, they're trotting out Mike Glennon. And before that, they were trotting out Jake Fromm. This is the Giants. They invested in Kenny Galladay. Where has he been all season, man? What was their plan for him? which sucks because I don't think he's a bad player by any means, but they brought him in without having a plan. And that's kind of just seems like um, how the giants are as an organization and franchise. They don't seem to have any sort of sense of direction and it's paying off. Like it's paying off in a bad way. Like you're seeing no sorts of improvements. It's not like the NFC East are like, is full of juggernauts and they're still like the basement. Like they're still clearly the worst team in that division. So, I mean, it's probably time to just blow it all up, get rid of judge, uh, find a new quarterback and just go from there. But who knows, man, with the Giants, they'll probably retain Gettleman. <laughs> they'll probably keep it going and give him another chance and let him make even an, another decision that'll cripple the franchise. Yeah, I mean, blow it up seems to be the right course, right? I mean, it's – I think they're slowly – they may even be in the territory at this point, but it's like a laughable franchise right now. Everything they're doing um, is causing people to kind of cringe. It's causing them to just be like, what – like who who decided this? Who who let this go through? Type stuff, right? Um, Gettleman's been known for saying some outlandish stuff. Now Joe Judge seems to be in that same realm of like whenever he speaks, now he's he's making a mistake or saying something that people are like, "This is dumb." Like, what is he doing? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, they obviously didn't get a whole lot out of Daniel Jones this year. Um, they went all in, got him Galladay. You know, Saquon's been healthy for a bit. Uh, Kadarius Tony is still an exciting player they got in the first round. But nothing's coming of it. Like all the resources, all the tweets and, and things that I've seen that shows all the resources of how many first round picks, how much money they've thrown at all these contracts, just to have the 32nd ranked unit in points, yards per game, passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, all those things. I mean, it's it's absolutely unacceptable for a franchise like this um, who has won Super Bowls this, this century um, and is just – done too much to, to stay this low in a division that um, is not one of the best in football. Yeah. He, he's just got to go like, like plain and simple. You, you can't roll into next season with that dude as your head coach. You're, you're, you're wasting valuable years of some of the young talent that you do have on the roster because they do have young talent. Like you said, Kenny Galladay, I think is a talented player. I think Kadarius Tony looks like a, a talented player and, I still think Saquon's got plenty of talent, e- even though it just hasn't really worked out so far in the NFL. He's just had so many injuries, but you got to get rid of Joe judge. Like just, just when you go to fire him, just play that press conference, like in the room, just bu- bust it out on a laptop or something. It'd be like, yeah, this was, this was it. This, this was where this thing started to unravel. But let's take a quick timeout, and when we get back, we'll dive into the Dallas Cowboys, who lost to the Arizona Cardinals. They also lost Michael Gallup for the season with a torn ACL, and the Chargers and Raiders have a Week 18 matchup that will decide the final playoff spot in the AFC. That's coming up next on NFL University. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrow. Pride, joined by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Michael Peterson of Bolts from the Blue. The Dallas Cowboys finally had a game where, like, against the Washington football team, where we were like, that is the offense we've been chasing for a while now, where when that offense is on, it, it can put up points with some of the best units in the NFL, and their defense has playmakers, and they're exciting, and they force turnovers, And then they have another game like this against the Arizona Cardinals where they just kind of do some inexplicable things like Dak Prescott had a a crucial fumble and they they just weren't particularly good. And they struggled a little bit offensively in this football game. And then they lose wide receiver Michael Gallup, who was hurt early in the year. But since he's come back, he has been a, a big piece of their offense. And we know how talented Michael Gallup is. He's headed into free agency uh, with a significant knee injury, which is a major bummer for a a super talented wide receiver that I'd love to see wind up in Kansas City. But I'm curious what your guys takeaway was from this game. Like, I'm still kind of leaning into like, I think the Cowboys are the second best team in the NFC. But then they have performances like this where I'm like, okay, why are we why are we doing this? There's too much talent on this team to have this kind of performance against the Arizona Cardinals. I think the big takeaway, just what you said about Gallup is, so he's going to be 26, man. He had a chance, just like Chris Godwin, to really cash out this offseason. So that sucks that he's not going to be able to get the, the type of deal and the type of money that he does deserve because he is a really good player. And to, for him to be able to, you know, go to another team, and even if it's not the Chiefs, go to another team um, like maybe Galladay wanted to and kind of get out of the shadow of, you know, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and create something for himself. Uh, hopefully that still does happen. Hopefully he has a speedy recovery. But I think I am the opposite now. So last week, the last couple of weeks, we've been hyping up Dallas. And the more that I see them, the more that I'm like, man, this can't happen. And maybe that's just because now Gallup is taken away. So now they lose another weapon. But it's really the other side of the ball. They're not going to stop anybody in the playoffs, man. Like, think about it. Who They're going to go like Trayvon Diggs has to guard DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup. Um, Debo Sam, like go down the list of names that he's going to have to guard. They're going to throw it to him every freaking time. And he seems like he gets beat on the easiest moves ever. So um, I, I just don't trust their defense. I don't think they're going to be able to get stops. And it's, it's crazy just because we were talking about their pass rush and, you know, how they're able to get after the quarterback and then on offense, how they're at this high flying explosive team. But it changes week to week and football is fluid. And I think now I'm on the train that the Cowboys are terrible. So uh, we'll see how that changes next week. Their defense is actually, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to their defense because it helped lead me to a fantasy championship uh, or at least in the championship game this year. Um, but I think you're right. You know, I think they're, they're a much worse real life defense than they are in a fantasy defense. Um, I think everyone wants to look at Trevon Diggs' interceptions total, but he's also allowed over a thousand yards in coverage, according to a lot of stat sites. So I think that's that kind of paints a picture of the whole defense. Yeah, they can look good and make a lot of splash plays, but when they've needed guys to step up the most, I don't think they've gotten it. Tank Lawrence comes through every now and then for a splash play. Uh, sometimes he, he doesn't in some of the worst times. So um, offensively up and down, right though. And that's a story for a lot of NFL teams, but this is a this is a team that has so much talent, and not just the starters, but the backups, right? Like Tony Pollard is probably the best backup running back in the NFL, arguably um, behind Zeke. The offensive line, we know what it is. Um, Gallup is is a bad loss. I think he's a talented wide receiver. I think they would probably need him uh, during this postseason stretch. Um, but I, I think the Super Bowl winner, honestly, with with as much stuff that. Is happening on a week-to-week basis in the NFL is just which one's going to get lucky enough to not have something bad happen to derail their success, their positive momentum. And, and the Cowboys, unfortunately, seem like a team that has one of the higher chances of just one of those unfortunate things happening. Yeah, they've just got so much talent. And yeah, like Trayvon Diggs gives up a lot of yards, but but he is a fun player who, who gets interceptions. And Micah Parsons has been absolutely incredible. Like, I still feel like their ceiling is like if they get hot and everything kind of falls 
into place for them. Like they could still go on a run, but yeah, it's performances like this. Like, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast with justice when he's here, like Mike McCarthy makes you really question what this team can wind up doing in the playoffs, but they're, they're just so talented. And when they actually put it all together, they're, they're one of the more fun teams in the NFL to watch, but then they have these frustrating performances like this against the Cardinals. And this game didn't really change my perception of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, Kyler is still just, hey, Kyler, we need you to go make plays. And when Kyler Murray makes plays and, and things are, are moving, then everything works for the Arizona Cardinals. And when you kind of slow that down, then you can slow down the Arizona Cardinals. And, and I have questions about Cliff and the way he manages everything about them. So it's a big win. It, it, it's kind of a... Uh, it's a 50-50 game, really, in the grand scheme of things between the Cowboys and the Cardinals, but this didn't make me feel any more confident about the Arizona Cardinals going into the postseason. See, and I'm on the opposite, just because <laughs> all year, I love talking down on Cliff Kingsbury. It's like one of my favorite hobbies. But what I realized last game is that their offense is so predicated on their superstars, and when they make plays, like when Kyler – actually doesn't turn his back on the offensive line and run around for 10 seconds and actually throws the ball on time, they can be really good. And they do have good players. And I think with how he throws the ball down the field and that's what they want to do, it works out really well. So when they get healthy, when they get Rodney Hudson back, when they get Hopkins back, I do think that they are going to be a team that, that will give a team like the Cowboys problems if they were to play again in the playoffs. So um, I, again, going back and forth on these teams, and it's it's recency bias. There's no doubt about it. But I think I've overlooked the health aspect of the Cardinals, and that's more of the reason. So I'm still not going to give credit to Cliff Kingsbury. I want to be very clear about that. I uh, don't want to sound like a broken record, but shout out to Kyler Murray for leading my fantasy team to the championship again. Uh, it's been a big year, guys. Um, but no, he. Uh, I'll tell you, he hasn't has looked like the – the same player that he did in the first half of the season post ankle injury. And then obviously the loss of DeAndre Hopkins was huge. Rondale Moore, as exciting as he was as a selection, hasn't been the impact rookie. I think a lot of people probably thought he'd be on offense and special teams. Um, AJ Green, I think has been solid instead of, uh, of Hopkins, but he's just been fine. You know, not blowing the doors off anybody. Um, just been fine. Zach Gertz, kind of the same thing. I think he's, he made the team better, but overall um, they just haven't looked the same. Uh, Hudson coming back. Hopkins come back for the playoffs. I think all of a sudden this team will uh, see, honestly, quite a bit of rejuvenation in, in excitement and energy, and I think could really make a push in, in this postseason. But that's just if uh, Kyler Murray is able to be himself, which I'm not sure he has been, again, since that ankle injury. We've talked a ton about Justin Herbert on this podcast this year and how much we we love him as a quarterback and, and love watching him play the position and the Chargers took care of business against the Denver Broncos, but the Las Vegas Raiders also took care of business against the Indianapolis Colts, setting up a week 18 winner gets into the postseason matchup between these two football teams. The Chargers did take down the Raiders a, a few weeks back by two touchdowns. So I, I assume I'm speaking for Michael. I, I don't know about KP, but I need the Chargers to win this football game on Sunday because I want to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. And Credit to the Las Vegas Raiders and everything that they have gone through this season and everything that they've overcome. And, you know, Derek Carr is having a nice year, but I just have zero interest in seeing that team in the playoffs. Give me Justin Herbert. Give me, give me this, this Chargers team over the Raiders all day, every day. Yeah, I think it's about who has a better chance to upset a team like the Titans, the Chiefs, you know, the Bengals, like who, who can keep pace with those type of teams. And, the obvious answer is the Chargers. Like Carr, as well as he's played, I think he's done a good job of propping up the Raiders, or just knowing that the knowing everything that they've gone through this this season as a team, and knowing that the supporting cast he has, I think he's done a fine job there. But Herbert is Herbert, man. Like he's just on another level compared to Carr and compared to most quarterbacks in the league. So I think you would want to see an offense like the Chargers. Unfortunately, they have to play on the other side of the football too. So the Chargers are probably not going to stop either of those offenses anyway. But from a watchability standpoint, I feel like, you know, you'd want to see Herbert just go head to head against a Mahomes, a Burrow. And that's why, you know, I think I feel like a lot of people would root for the Chargers uh, Sunday night to get in the playoffs. Yeah, far and away, Justin Herbert against anybody is going to draw the most eyes. 
Um, I, I couldn't imagine the, the Raiders in the playoffs. It's still kind of incredible that we're even here in the first place. Like the Chargers could have just beat the Texans when they played and, and everything would have been different, right? Like, or the Raiders could have just like lost the Colts because the Colts were playing really well as of late. Um, but here we are, you know, and you can't really like this any better, right? Sunday night football, uh, a game between two divisional opponents um, for all the marbles to get into the playoffs. Uh, I'm hoping that they avoid a first year under Anthony Lynn type situation where they were good for most of the season, but obviously Lynn overcame an 0-4 start to, to barely miss the playoffs at 9-7. and Chargers kind of around that same record really need this win. Um, but yeah, I think this is a team that once you get into the playoffs, I think sky's the limit. You know, we've seen this team, when it clicks on offense, they're really fun to watch. They're really hard to stop. But defensively, uh, prior to the Texans game, I'm sure this number's changed ever so slightly, but they were allowing 51.1% of third down conversions um, to their opponents, right? Like a coin flip about whether or not your defense is about to get off the field is absolutely horrendous, right? Uh, it doesn't matter how good your offense is. If the defense and the special teams are the better part of the year, if they're not good enough or even average, everything Justin Herbert's doing, all his heroics, all the crazy stuff he's, he's doing to, to keep his team competitive and in these games and winning, um, means nothing. And and I think that's one of the biggest things the Chargers have had to overcome is, is just supporting the, their guy, Justin Herbert. Everyone knows he's a bona fide star. But defensively, the guys around you, they lead the league in drops. He also, Justin Herbert, leads the league in batted passes. Like, there's so many things acting against this Chargers team and Justin Herbert. But at the end of the day, yes, if you want eyes, hopefully the Chargers win and can have a big game against the Chiefs or Titans. For the Arrowhead Pride, you know, listeners and readers, I, I think that they would much, obviously, much prefer the Chiefs have to take on the Las Vegas Raiders if the Chiefs wind up getting locked into the two seed in, in that wild card weekend. But as a football fan, I would personally like to see uh, Chiefs Chargers ra- round three because Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are fun to watch. And that's kind of what I root for more often than anything. We do need to get into Trey Lance, got another start, picked up a big win for the San Francisco 49ers and looked good doing it. He, he was pushing the football down the field and the Niners, as we already mentioned a little bit, are, are still on the playoff bubble. And there's a scenario here where they lose to the Rams this weekend. The Saints beat the Falcons and the Saints will get in over the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G was expected to return to practice today in some capacity. So there could still be uh or Jimmy G could return this week against the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I know I speak for myself when I say I want to see Trey Lance keep, keep getting this thing. Cause I don't know that the Niners are like a super bowl team or anything this season, but Kyle Shanahan has already made it apparent that if Jimmy G is good enough to play on Sunday, he is going to go with Jimmy G in a, a game that could decide whether or not the Niners make it to the playoffs this year. Yeah. So Jimmy G hurt his thumb on December 23rd uh, for the first time yesterday, he threw the ball. So this is a four to six week injury that he's going through. So before two weeks into the injury, he tried to throw, he said he woke up on Tuesday feeling great. He said he woke up today, not feeling so hot. Shocked <laughs> that that is the case when you try to come back even before halfway through your projected injury, um, it's not really a surprise. Like, of course, he's going to try to tough it out because he wants to play in the last game of the season, but it just doesn't sound like he's going to be a guy that is going to play. So, yeah, Trey, about Trey Lance, I think it's important that, you know, Shannon just keeps getting reps with him because they really haven't played together much or, like, practiced together much since Trey's been on the scout team all year. But against the Texans, I thought he played well. I thought it was good to see him come out of his shell a little bit. Early, it looked like a guy who hadn't played football in two and a half months. Who knew that he would come out looking a little rusty? Um, I think the game speed was a little tough for him to adjust to at first, but eventually you start to see him heat up a little bit, and then he just looked like a guy that was supposed to go top five in the NFL draft. So, yeah, I think I'm with you there, and I think everybody stands with you. Just He's more exciting to watch, man. He's fun to watch. He's going to throw the ball down the field. He's going to run a little bit. He's going to move around. He's going to show the position and make it exciting. So, um, I think everybody wants to see him play. I think he gives them the best chance, too, just because of those off-structure plays, because he can stretch the field. There was a play on – it was third and three, and instead of throwing the ball four or five yards, they threw the ball at 13 yards, which was like, whoa, you are allowed to do that in the NFL. Who knew? So that was a nice change of pace. But those are the type of plays. Also, the deep balls that he does throw, even attempts, 
Um, I think that gives them a better chance to beat the Rams. So, yeah, roll with Trey Sunday. Roll with him for the rest of the career, his career. <laughs> yeah, dude, Trey's, uh, Trey looked fantastic. Um, you know, he didn't blow uh, the cap off anything. I thought he played a great game. I thought he made the 49ers exciting. Um, I think the, the dual threat ability of him and just – I guess Shanahan's propensity to, like you said, throw it further down the field on occasion, you know? Um, I just thought it was a very exciting game. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, love him. Spent all my fab money on him in the fantasy league. I'm sorry I keep going back to fantasy, but it's just all these connections. And I got to love Elijah Mitchell for all that. Um, I I hope there's no more QB controversy. I hope there's no – I mean, of course, there's always going to be drama at that position, and it's never going to end as soon as we want. Um, but Trey Lance, I think, is, is the real deal. Um, and I think if they want to reach their potential, especially after this season, have to roll with Trey and uh, everything that he can do for your team that obviously Jimmy G cannot. Um, I just hope they make the right decision. Yeah, we, we root for fun, Kyle. Just let us have fun, please. Just just roll with Trey Lance. Let's see. You guys aren't going to win the Super Bowl this year. Let's just go for it. Let's see what he's got. The Los Angeles Rams took down the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, narrowly and my biggest takeaway from this is the baltimore ravens aren't officially eliminated from playoff contention but they do need like a laundry list of things to happen this week to get in it kind of feels like they're probably out in all likelihood just kind of that year for the baltimore ravens just too many injuries piled up and piled up and piled up but my biggest takeaway from this game and the Rams, this team that is all in on this season, going for the Super Bowl, cashing in all their chips and saying, we got to do it this year. Matthew Stafford's going to blow this thing down the stretch for the Rams, isn't he? Like, because that was my biggest thing here was like, I feel like we've got several weeks in a row now where like Stafford just looks kind of uncomfortable and he's making some questionable decisions that. I think when you do that in the NFL playoffs, it's going to wind up costing you a game. That's what happens. It seems like it happens like once a half, man, where he's making a bonehead decision. Usually that involves throwing the ball to the other team. Sometimes involves him fumbling the ball and giving the ball to the other team. He's just a bizarre player to watch because he'll have like three plays where it's like, holy cow, man. He looks like Aaron Rodgers at times. And then there are plays where he looks the exact opposite of Aaron Rodgers. And it's all within the same game. And sometimes it's within like a few series. So uh, I'm with you there. At, at one point I was thinking, man, this is a really dangerous team that could beat the Bucks at their best. And now just the way that like he plays, the inconsistency. And I, I don't think their offensive line is that good. And I think that has a lot to do with it. So um, I was I was just writing about that, reading into some of his pressure numbers. Like he falls off a cliff when he's pressured. Like I think his touchdown interception ratio is thirty-one to nine when kept clean, and seven to six when um, he's pressured. And I think his turnover-worthy throw spikes like five percent when he's under pressure. He just turns into a shell, man. And against in the playoffs, you imagine teams are probably going to try to come after him. So yeah, I don't think I can trust the Rams and the memes and the jokes when McVay cannot do it with Stafford when he got further with golf instead of Stafford will make this all worth it. So uh, I think it's going to happen, man. And who knows if it's this week, but uh, I, I just don't envision the Rams going very far. And by the way, it's not like their defense is killing it either. So even the last four games that they played, like they beat the Ravens, but it was by one point with Tyler Huntley. And like they had plenty of opportunities to lose that game. And even going back the past three games, they're uh they're not as good as I think their record indicates. Yeah, I have to agree. I I don't recall any quarterback for like a really good team after it seems like every other game over the last month or two where in his post game interviews he's just like apologizing for being bad or making the game interesting because he threw two or three picks and like and somehow they still win the game, right? Like he's He's not playing the best football right now. Like, I don't know how many teams and their quarterback, like, with their quarterback throwing that many interceptions on a weekly basis, still having the record that they do. I think there's been some lucky bounces. You know, I think they've, they've worked hard and made the plays they needed to to stay in those games and win them. But I don't see at all how that type of performance from Stafford uh, which has been fairly consistent uh, through the second half of the season, is going to give them much success, if at all, in this postseason. Um, yeah, the record seems a little bit shoddy for, for what we've seen. Um, the defense, for as talented as they are, um, doesn't seem as rock steady as they were a year ago when they were the league's best. It just seems odd. I don't know. Stafford seemed to be the, the fix-all earlier in the season, but especially as of late, 
I don't know what he's doing, but two to three interceptions a game is not a recipe for success. And I think somehow, you know, they've gotten lucky with some of these and they're still winning. Um, but at the end of the day in the playoffs, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, the Rams are an extremely talented team that can put up points with the best of them in the NFL, but you just simply can't make those kinds of mistakes in the postseason and think that you can overcome them the way that they have at times in the regular season. It's going to inevitably cost them uh, a playoff game, and I, that's just, I think that's just true, and you have to have questions about Matthew Stafford at this point. And, you know, he's never really been on a team this good, and under this kind of pressure before i think he made the playoffs like once with the detroit lions and they weren't really a very good team like this is the best team that matthew stafford's ever been on the green bay packers uh handle business clinched the one seed in the nfc and i'm officially here you know all, all the talk about aaron Rodgers and mvp votes and, and all of that stuff i don't have an mvp vote i, I totally disagree with aaron Rodgers' stance on the COVID-19 vaccine. But if I did have an MVP vote, I would vote for Aaron Rodgers because I just think he's playing the quarterback position at a different level than everybody else is right now. And so justice isn't here to hear me say it, but I'm officially on the, the Packers are the team to beat in the playoffs. They, I think are the most consistent team right now. And Rodgers has just been absolutely carving people up. For Pro Football Writers of America, I'm not going to vote for Rodgers because of that. So he does not get my vote. And um, shout out to Justice, our co-host, who seems like he's taking this Packers job a little too seriously by copying what's going on with the Packers. Um, they're, they're really tough, man. They are really good. Uh, those throws that Rodgers is making, what are you supposed to do against that, man? Like, how do you coach against passes that are – literally perfect like there's nothing the dbs can do and he does that every game last week it was on prime time so everybody saw it but I mean, that, those throws have been happening all season he is he is about as good as it gets man he's playing at another level uh them having to buy will be nice too just because the nfc has to go through lambeau field um he no longer has to worry about mike mccarthy so uh, you would imagine his fortune will be a lot better rogers's fortune will be a lot better now and they they're a good team too like they have pieces all around I think their secondary is starting to come along. I, I agree with you. I think because of the injuries like to the Bucks, because we're not sure how healthy they'll be. Um, and then even the Cowboys, like they're not going to be at full strength. I think with a team like the Packers, you will need multiple weapons. And I don't think they're going to run into a team in the NFC that's just going to be able to slow them down while they'll be able to slow the other team down. So, yeah, I agree. They're going to be tough to beat. And a big reason why is that by I think the scariest teams in the NFL, especially when it comes to the postseason, are the ones that no matter who is trotting out on the field for them, they're still scary. And I think that's what Aaron Rodgers does for the Packers. I think he turned a team with, again, besides Devontae Adams, I mean, you have Alan Lazard, who was his former Iowa State wide receiver, thought there was going to be a tight end, somehow still made it as a wide receiver in the NFL, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I mean, a lot of guys that didn't have a lot of name power coming out of the draft and uh, the first year or two in the league, and all of a sudden they're really lightened up with Rodgers throwing them passes. Uh, the A.J. Dillon pick wasn't seen with a lot of positivity, and all of a sudden now, like when Aaron Jones can't go, A.J. Dillon is just as scary, just in his own way. And as you mentioned, the, the pieces are all around, especially on defense, the secondary, Jerry Alexander, I believe he's hurt. Quote me if I'm wrong, a piece to build on Adrian Amos. Um, Rashawn Gary is really coming into his own uh, as an edge rusher as well. Kenny Clark's consistent as all get out there in the interior. Um, this team is very scary. And unlike the Bucks, who seem to uh, – really take a step back sometimes when some other main pieces are missing. I just don't think that happens for the Packers. I don't care who's running out there. As long as Aaron Rodgers is kind of conducting things and throwing passes, I, I think they're the scariest team in the NFC. Yeah. I just think Rodgers is just on a totally different level than everybody else right now. And that even includes like Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes is incredible, but I think Rodgers is just a step above everybody else at this point in the season. And you know, their secondary, you guys mentioned it, their secondary has been solid like all season. And Jair Alexander has been hurt for most of the year. And he's expected to come back soon. And he's still trying to work his way back from injury. And he's one of the best cornerbacks on the planet. So that secondary might actually get better once we get into the playoffs. I just think the Packers are, are playing absolutely lights out right now. But 
That's all we got for you guys on this edition of NFL University. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, I want to thank Michael again for stepping in, filling in for justice this week. You can follow him on Twitter at Zone Tracks. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.